0: Talk Welcome to Focus on Albany. My guest today is Jason Muckford. And Jason is a teacher. And he's going to talk about his concern for reopening of schools. So Jason, has the last few months been pretty difficult? Uh,
1: the past few months were a whirlwind of change, uh, which did make a lot of things uh, more difficult than we could have ever imagined. Um, I mean, removing the physical classroom with almost no warning uh, is not the usual speed at which educational change happens. Uh, So, I mean people had have obviously done online classes before, uh, not everyone, but I mean, that, that model was out there for uh, certain college classes for the most part. Um, I mean, I've even done online and distance learning as early as I want to say the year 2000. We had networked televisions um, that were broadcasting via satellite and so it wasn't a brand new thing to have distance learning but all of a sudden things got really hard because now you didn't it wasn't a choice to say oh for this one class we're going to plan ahead there's going to be distance learning and everybody had expectations already managed this was take any expectation you have and throw it out you know it's Start, start Starting over, except for the actual content, um, I like to say that I teach three things on a regular basis. I teach content, I teach process, I teach people. So the content stayed the same. The process was entirely new. And mm-hmm. just about all the people were panicked. So yeah, it, it was really hard.
0: So you teach what grade?
1: Uh, I teach, um, pretty much I teach... All high school grades uh, okay. would uh, focus on ninth and twelfth grade.
0: And you, you're also an adjunct professor at SUNY, right?
1: That's also true. Yeah.
0: So I have a uh, two
1: hundred. I have a two hundred level college, class for the college.
0: For for your college class, was that also done uh, through technology?
1: Yes, um, it was done through technology, and what made it a little bit extra hard for me personally is that the while while most teachers have their their primary gig is uh, is almost always their only gig, um, I had like you said the high school classes and the college classes and the two different um, edu- educational entities opted to implement different technology solutions. So same concept, classes going online, but the tools um, that we chose to use were different. Uh, How to engage with the audience had different rules. Um, You know, it it really was that every institute of learning uh, was kind of left to make up the rules as they went along and that meant that a lot of places were reinventing the wheels of their own car, instead of asking perhaps a more important question like how how can we all use the same wheel and make it work really well? Um, but we we just didn't have time to actually do that. And then especially when you know, at, at least here in New York State, when Governor Cuomo said for purposes of continuity of education. Uh, spring break was canceled. And while I do appreciate and actually approve of some of the other ways that he managed the coronavirus in New York, um, I absolutely think that's the, the worst call he could have made educationally. For continuity of education, that includes the continuity of expectations. And a lot of teachers and students and families expected to have that one week to maybe regroup reflect process to, to really just have enough time to say time out what are we what are we looking at here and instead um, in a critical week when teachers could have been learning those new technologies to teach their classes online all of a sudden no you don't you you have saturday and sunday keep teaching teach through and not just that i'm i'm going on record here speaking personally i sh- i should at least say for your audience Everything I say today, I'm speaking personally. I'm not speaking as a representative of my high school. I'm not speaking as a representative of my university. I'm speaking as an individual, and I'm going to try to take issues looking at it from multiple perspectives. Uh, I am a teacher, but hypothetically, what if I was the admin? What if I were the governor, et cetera? Anyway, jumping back to the point I was making is the continuity of education really should have included that week off, people had planned on um and that would have given a lot of districts just enough time to figure out what they wanted the rest of the year to become and so while every district who has a contract who hit their 180 days you know etc uh teachers got their time back uh that is for the for the five or six extra days they needed to work um they, you know, on the back end got five or six days at the end of the calendar year. But no, it, it would have been it would have been much, much, much better to stick with every school's original calendar. Um, that that was just it the the metaphor I'm gonna drag out here is if you're riding let's say you're riding a NASCAR, a race car, every now and again you need to pull into the pit stop, check the tires, maybe change a tire. Whatever, you need need that time out to to refocus, regroup, and get back out there and do your best race. And uh, Cuomo saying we have to teach through that spring break week statewide was really saying, no, you don't get a pit stop. Whatever's falling off your car, yeah, keep racing. And, and, you know, if I were in a room with him, I will tell him to his face how I feel about that one.
0: (laughs) So the relationship between you and your students, Changed drastically overnight, isn't it? Am I correct in the assumption um,
1: the way to phrase it, I'm gonna say no. The relationship I had with my students stayed mostly on course. That comes back to I teach content, I teach process, I teach people so you're you're asking a question about the people dimension, and so thankfully having started the year in a physical classroom with people and treating them as people as well as, you know, they also happen to be students. Um, it it was good that relationships were already there, were already built. We could build from the relationship to reinforce things about content and process as needed. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, it, other than, uh, you know, that there was definitely some students, um, and and this is in both of my contexts, there were definitely a few students who just dropped off the map. And it could have been a technology issue. It could have been a family crisis, medical something. You know, I'm not here to judge on that. But but of the students who were able to participate online, um, which was the bulk of them, uh, really uh, the, the relationships didn't change that much. Maybe we... Maybe we had a little bit less interpersonal, uh, you know, developing the the interpersonal relationship time because of the time crunch of you now are only online so much per week. You have to get through more content and you can't fill it with those personal interactions. Um, But the quality of the, the relationship really, I would say in some cases, even strengthened. It was like we're in this together. Like, Students stepped up, teachers stepped up, people realized when things got real, um, then, you know, you realize who was still in your life rooting for you to be successful. And I think students got that. Like, they understood that.
0: So when did the school go from brick and mortar to technology? It was in March,
1: right? (laughs) It was in the middle of March um, you could almost map to the to the exact weekend when it had happened. Uh, a number of districts had March thir- 13th as a superintendent's conference day, although not all of them did. but also on March 13th there seems to have been a shift in the federal conversation about coronavirus, and oh, I wish I could remember off the top of my head which is uh, a congressperson, I want to say from Texas, who on their official representative website kept a timeline, or is, is still keeping a timeline of important quotes, important milestones, important everything, and on March 13th um, on that site, is where the language really started changing from this is a hoax this isn't real this is we'll get over it this will blow away by april and then all of a sudden it's like oh this might be a thing two days later march 15th cuomo is already issuing all kinds of orders and that included okay and schools are going to be shut now so that's when you hear when you hear about cuomo's uh Controversial uh, nursing home edict, where where if a if a nursing home could manage a corona positive patient, uh, they were not allowed to not admit them back. Um, that was March 15th. Schools were closed March 15th. Like everything was that weekend. March March 13th and March 15th was what I'm guessing you know panic mode for 50 states and then some.
0: Now, you know, not everybody, unfortunately, has uh, technology in their homes. What about the kids that? What about the kids that had no internet hookup? What happened to them?
1: Um, a, a number of districts. So again, not speaking just for my district, but in in communicating with past colleagues, and then. Um, you know, teacher colleagues that I don't maybe personally know but share an online community with, a lot of school districts were able to step up and get, like, uh, hotspots. Like, they purchased and paid for hotspots for their students so that they could get online with what technology they had. Um, I mean, obviously, that comes at a cost to the district, but, uh, you know, the, the district I'm in, fortunately, already had in place a, a Chrome one student one Chromebook um, policy. I was able to put technology in the hands I think of every student, um, and I mean they they ran it they ran it pretty close. I think at some point there there was a there was a waitlist to fix a Chromebook because they couldn't just swap one out at, at at the height, I guess at the peak at the apex. Um, But for the most part, they they were able to do that. But the other thing, too, teachers, most teachers get into the business because they care about their students. And if something really came up, you found a way around it. You said, you know what, you're right. My homework deadline is artificial. You, You lost your router in your house. You couldn't be online for two weeks. You couldn't this, that, the other. So, you know, very few teachers or administrators, I think, we're going to come in and say, well, because this happened, now you have to fail because they're not in control of that. That's technology just, you know, failing on them. But um, so right. I, I think a lot of schools really, you know, they they want students to be successful without handing out free grades, but they are, they're willing, especially in the unpredictable that, that the end of the last school year was to come up with creative and courageous ways to say, How can we show students we support them? How can we provide them multiple multiple pathways to the success we expect of them? And so, you know, there were, yeah.
0: I'm sorry. How about graduations? I've seen pictures of, of, you know, kids on Facebook that graduated. That had to be a little different, Right.
1: Uh, very different. A lot of places did like drive through graduation. Some places went to the drive in and projected on the screen and everybody's listening on the the localized radio station to, to hear what's being broadcast. Um, some places used, you know, hoped for good weather and said we're going to go out on the football field and be socially distant and use the, use the game loudspeaker. I mean, it all kinds of different ceremonies um obviously had to be adapted um and and again for all the different varieties of that I saw everyone's trying to be socially responsible as best as they can
0: Mhm So um you know you're on your summer break now right Yes I am so school won't start again until September. Do you do you envision still being um still teaching through technology? Because there's been a spike in cases. You know, it, it's it's going up all over again. I don't see this thing dying out anytime soon.
1: Ah, uh, yeah. There's, um, I have a couple of different thoughts, divergence uh, threads that hopefully I can, th- you know, tie together um, after after putting them out there. Um, the the first thread is that I think it was last Friday or Saturday, Governor Cuomo came out and said, here's the timeline. Um, this, you know, we, if if a school is in Um, Phase 4, it's been a Phase 4 region, and the new infection rate is 5% or lower. He says he's going to call that a green light. That district can open up their buildings. But what he didn't say right then and there in in the conference was the other half of that. That just means they can have a green light. That doesn't mean that they do get a green light. He also, later in that same conference, announced how later in the day the state was going to be publishing up uh, onto, online what the school reopening safety plans uh, guidelines were, and then schools actually have to decide for themselves within those guidelines how are they going to meet the safety needs. And then that goes to the state, and then that has to be approved. It's just the, the green light stat is if you don't have that green light, we're just not even going to look at your safety plan yet unless we have extra time because you aren't going to be opening anyway. Uh, and then he also put on what he called the red light, which is, you know, if, if that infection rate suddenly is going up instead of, you know, it's 5%, it was below 5 when you started, it creeps up to 6%, still not going to shut, 7% still not going to shut. He says, but when you hit 9%, it doesn't matter how good your safety plan is, you're going to go online. You're just going to shut. That's just what your region or your school is going to do. Um, so, I mean, it's that's one thread is what what the guidelines are and what our governance is telling us. Now, I want to talk about data in general. We have seen we've seen the number of cases just going up and up and up and up and up. But at the same time, we're seeing um, the overall death rate going down and down. And so that mm-hmm. seems to be in conflict. Now I know it's easy to point at and say, yeah, but most of the new infections are younger people who have a better survival rate. And that's true. But it's not just that. There's a there's a thing in statistics called Simpson's Paradox. And so I'm going to give an example without bogging you down with the numbers, but I'll give you an example of Simpson's paradox and, and how it could easily arise. So there was one year in Major League Baseball where uh, two batters were vying for the batting title, who has the best overall percentage of hitting the ball. So for the first half of the year, up to the All-Star break, and I, I wish I remembered the names. I'm, just, I'm terrible with names in the first place, but uh, especially when it comes to, like, you know, the categories of trivia of movies and sports, I'm, Terrible with names, but player A was ahead of player B up until the midterm, up until the all star break. And player A, again, if you only looked at what they did since the all star break, still had a higher batting average than player B. But when you merged the two halves of the data sets together, it turns out player B actually had the better batting average overall. And that can come from mistakenly believing that the data sets were of equal size. So there were, there were more at-bats before the All-Star break, and it was a much closer race between those two batters. And then after the break, it kind of flip-flopped. One had many more at-bats. One had much fewer at-bats. And so when you merge the data That discrepancy in the number of at-bats, which is what you would divide your number by to get your average, that had such a profound effect. So now let's bring that back to coronavirus. We can look at coronavirus data as an entire nation. And that's merging the data sets. That's taking New York and throwing in Florida and Texas and California and Arizona and Delaware and all all the states. Or we can look at the data as what if each of these hot zones is its own independent data set? How are they behaving? And so the behaviors of the individual data sets all kind of show the same rise, fast rise up to the apex, they shut things down, it flattens a curve, and then they slowly descend off the back end if they, if they don't reopen too quickly. Um, or If they do reopen, you start seeing that rise back up again. And so now I want to look at what's going to happen here in New York. We are still climbing down. We realize, however, as people come in from other states, as people come to visit, as people come come to New York State from where they were, we could let the virus back in. And, in fact, it's not even we could. It, it's not an if, it's a when. So New York is trying to do what it can do so that when it happens, um, we, are, we are still treating our data set as independent from the overall trend. And I think that helps us because it is going to help mitigate people bringing in potential coronavirus we're going to identify them better. We're going to quarantine them. We're going to do what we need to do. We're going to keep our hospital bed uh, rate down. We're going to keep, you know, we're, by, by not looking at the whole picture, by looking only at New York data, I think New York is going to do better in their response. It's not that they don't look at the whole data, but when it comes to New York decisions, they look at New York data. And when they're looking at other hotspots, which is why certain states have hopped on and off that quarantine list. They're looking at each region's specific localized data to say where are they in their curve? Where are they with their apex? How does their data match what we've gone through? Because if we're just looking at the big picture, not, not gonna, we're not going to see the little important details. We need to not you know, re-up on number of cases we have, even though there's been an uptick, it's been a very mild uptick here. And I feel like they're doing what they need to. So now let's bring that all the way back to schools. So because of all that, I think we have the best chance of going back to physical schooling as soon as we can. I don't know if September 1st, or in many cases, like September 7th or 8th. I don't know if that's going to be too soon, and it really is kind of up to the virus to decide that for us. Um, although we have a say in it, the percentage of people willing to socially distance, wear masks, not do risky mm-hmm. behaviors, et cetera, you know, we, we, we can respond and react to it. But um, I think we are going to be one of the first states to go back to full time in-building schooling and at the same time i think we're also going to be one of the better states one of the resource states to say and if we have to go online again or if we have to start with a hybrid model or if we're if we're starting to have a hotspot again if it's full online we're going to have a lot more effective schooling i already know cuz i've heard this from, from multiple school districts One of the big pushes to have the, if you have to be online, your online schedule is the schedule you were going to have in the building anyway. This way there's no excuse. If you had class Monday at 1.30, doesn't matter whether you're in the building or not, you have class Monday at 1.30. And having that level of consistency, having those patterns, having the expectations of the patterns, um, removing the anxiety over what is school going to be, is going to make it more successful than how last year ended for most schools.
0: So it's going to be stressful for you because if, if uh, you, you're not in the classroom, physically in the classroom, when the school starts, then you won't pour between you and the students, like if you were there
1: physically with them, correct? It would be harder to build that rapport, but it's it's incumbent upon every teacher to actually take the time when especially when you don't even feel like you're gonna have the time, but to take the time to build in the kind of activities that at the beginning of the year. Here's your her icebreakers, here's maybe, you know, the in jokes that period two built because somebody did this funny thing and as a group, you're like, "Hey, remember that time when that happened?" Um, mm-hmm. And so you can you can build an online community. It's just a matter of making sure that you pay attention to to actually do it. Um, I also think, however, to so like most schools at the end of last year, again, panic reactions and not knowing how to get technology to all the kids and all 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 the wheels being reinvented at once. Um, you know a lot of districts just said hey it's good enough if we can get some face time with you in class uh a couple hours a week like they you mm-hmm. know it we're we're going to we're going to insist you got to attend class at least on this core time but then office hours in case you need help and mm-hmm. um i think if we're going in knowing to have a plan of what does it look like if we're all online? What does it look like if we're hybrid? What if it does it look like if we're in the building? What if it looks like you know or how do you how do you hit the clutch and change gears from one plan to another plan at the mm-hmm. drop of a hat? But with those plans in place ahead of time when the, when the students come in you have you have meetings with them. you have meetings with, you know admin with teachers, teachers with students, admin with students, you send consistent messaging of what the expectations are, and here's your schedule, and you're going to have the appropriate amount of time that you were normally going to have for a school year. Well, now Mm -hmm. you've got time. You've got much more time to actually devote a teacher to building your classroom community.
0: Actually, Jason, our time is up on focus
1: on opening.
0: So would you come back uh, again to talk more about this?
1: I could do that.
0: Okay. So you've been listening to Jason Muckford, who is a math teacher. He lives in Albany. And I'm Cynthia Pooler. This is Focus on Albany. And if you like this show, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter.
1: Jason, it's always great to talk to you. Thank you, everybody, for listening.